Good morning. It's Friday, January 17th. You're listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. I'm Trey Scott. So before Baylor announced the hire of LSU defensive coordinator Dave Aranda on Thursday afternoon, the Bears recording Virginia Tech's Justin Fuente who was formerly a home run hire for the Hoagies four years ago and who now receives mixed reviews in Blacksburg. The Virginia Tech fans that hold on to the memories of Beamer Ball, such as eight straight 10-win seasons in the mid to late 2000s, Mike Vick, Marcus Vick, Tyrod Taylor, NFL players everywhere, the best special teams around, and a legendary home field advantage, aren't satisfied with Fuente's 33-20 and 20 mark thus far. But even the most realistic fans wanted him gone to start the 2019 season. You probably remember that start. Virginia Tech was 2-2 two and two after the first four games with wins over just Old Dominion and FCS Furman, and they barely beat Furman, which was a very crummy way to knock the taste out of their mouths after they went 6-7 in 2018. Fuentes Hokies turned things around this fall to finish 8-5, which is a mediocre enough record that when smoke began Tuesday that Fuente would be interviewing with Baylor, the fan base reaction was mixed between oh no and oh good. To help me dive further into the Fuente paradox, I reached out to Matei Sis, who covers Virginia Tech for 24-7 Sports on the VT Scoop website. And after my talk with Matei, I've got some news to run down, so stay tuned. All right, Matei, thanks for joining me. And I guess the first question I've got is the one that's sort of on everybody's mind. Did did Justin Fuente want out or did he just want more money? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think everyone right now is trying to come to terms with what really transpired in the past day. Uh, Justin Fuente has been at Virginia Tech for four years. He saw great success in year one, going 10 and four, reaching the ACC championship game, bringing the program back to its you know previous heights. Uh, but then in 2018, experiencing some lows, six and seven, first losing season in 25 years, uh, got a lot of bad fan reactions and the ball was set in motion that maybe he was looking for a more stable job somewhere else. Baylor became open because of Matt Rule leaving for the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, uh, Baylor came calling, asked Justin Fuente if he would be interested and it seemed that Justin Fuente used the Baylor opening as something that he was firmly interested in. But if he could make his situation at Virginia Tech better, he would use that as sort of leverage. So I think there was serious interest in him potentially joining Baylor. But once he received assurances from Virginia Tech, he decided to make the call and take out his name from consideration. What does the facility situation and the recruiting infrastructure and the salary pool for assistance look like at Virginia Tech? Is it Was it in Justin Fuente's mind substandard? And did he want assurances, as you said, from the athletics department that more resources might be devoted into his football program? I would say by Justin Fuente's standards, it was definitely sub 
standard uh, when you think about Virginia Tech and the history from the early 2000s to, you know, 2011, a 10-win program year after year, um, recruiting top 25 classes. If you look at the infrastructure now, you know, a brilliant indoor practice facility, weight room is years behind. Uh, they are working on new facilities all over campus, but really the football programs, the recruiting staff is shorthanded at the moment. Uh, you look at schools like Rutgers and they're, you know, recruiting tenfold more than Virginia Tech. So I think Justin Fuente knew that if he were to live up to the standards set before him, the lofty standards, he was going to need a lot more. And when you look at recruiting, when you look at some of the facilities around campus outside of that indoor practice facility, there just needed to be a lot more commitment from the university as a whole. Yeah, I want to ask you about that. So Frank Beamer made it look pretty easy. And to a majority of us growing up watching college football, Virginia Tech was his primo tier A job. Mike Vick, countless NFL players, Beamer ball, special teams, all that stuff. What is the actual reality for Virginia Tech football? I would assume that fans want a recruiting class that ranks much better than 13th in the SEC according to the 24-7 sports composite rankings. And fans want a better year than 8-5, and five, especially one that begins 2-2 two and two with barely a win over Furman uh, to boot. But what is the actual, you think, baseline of, of – standard success at Virginia Tech? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's one that's difficult to try to explain to a lot of fans that are used to previous success. Obviously, this past decade hasn't been kind to Virginia Tech. Countless seven and six seasons, not winning the ACC, uh, you know, only once. Uh, so for Virginia Tech, I think the standard should be recruiting at a top 25 level, maybe around that 25 mark. Uh, I know fans really want to see Virginia Tech in the top 20, and I don't know how realistic that is right now. Uh, and then in terms of on-field product, you want to start seeing those eight and four, nine and three seasons consistently. Uh, like I mentioned before, in year one of Justin Fuente, he was 10 and four, which you know is as close to the peak as I think you can reasonably expect right now. The next year was nine and four, another great season. But then after that, six and seven in 2018, and this past year, eight and five, and losing the Commonwealth Cup to Virginia. I think with the state of flux in the ACC Coastal, you look at all the new coaches or other programs that traditionally don't have a lot of success or maybe care more about basketball. You expect a, a firmly committed football school in Virginia Tech to kind of take over right now. Where fans did for, I'm, I'm guessing fans sort of freaked out about the the rumors that Fuente might go to Baylor, if nothing else, because coaching searches are stressful and scary and all that stuff. Do you think the fans might have wanted him gone or, or were they glad to have held on to Justin Fuente? I think like I mentioned, some of the fans, you know, expect that 10 and four team consistently and got upset with Justin Fuente for kind of not living up to traditions set before him, which is completely unfair to Justin Fuente. But there definitely was, I would say, you know, 20-ish percent of the fan base was against Fuente and said, you know what, we could do better right now. I would say that the other 80 percent desperately wanted him to stay. 
Uh, you know, Virginia Tech has been one of the youngest teams in college football this past year, the year before. And things are kind of, you know, he's turning a new leaf in Blacksburg, so to speak. And, uh, you know, with his offensive philosophies and the defense improving, a lot of people are expecting 2020 to be this big year. And I think that 80% of those fans didn't want to see him go only to rebuild in what was supposed to be this big year in 2020 and then relive that cycle that you have to wait another four years before you finally have that big payoff. Should be pretty fascinating to see how the next few years go. Thank you, Matei. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right, for more Virginia Tech news, you can listen to Matei on the Inside the Tunnel podcast. Let's get to some college football national scope news. Let's go back to Waco. The Bears have hired Dave Aranda, who was LSU's handsomely paid defensive coordinator the last four years at $2.5 million annually. The 43-year-old Aranda replaces Matt Rule, who's off to the NFL. Think about this for the LSU Tigers. You probably don't like Matt Rule right now. He did hire away Joe Brady to be the OC of the Panthers, and now his vacancy at Baylor has LSU losing Aranda. LSU is losing a lot. We'll talk about that on a special podcast at some point this offseason because there's a lot to talk about. But Aranda is an interesting hire for Baylor. He'll recruit well and try his hand at shutting down the Big 12 offenses. He did a great job against Lincoln Riley last month. Our Miami writer Andrew Ivins reports that Houston grad transfer quarterback Derek King will begin a two-day visit at Miami this weekend. King is the best available player on the market, and this would otherwise save Miami from figuring out what is a messy three-headed log jam at quarterback. King is also good enough to save Manny Diaz's job. But while Miami is, yes, a brand-name program, it's nowhere ready to contend in 2020, and King only has one year left of football. I figured that King as a free agent would have a larger impact on the 2020 season. I thought he'd go to a contender. But Georgia's already got Jamie Newman. Oklahoma's not going down that path again. And I suppose at this time that quarterback needy playoff contenders like Oregon and LSU aren't ready to jump in on King. In that vein... Where will Chase Bryce land? Clemson's backup quarterback entered the transfer portal Thursday in certainly different circumstances than the last time a Clemson quarterback entered the transfer portal. Yeah, you probably remember when Kelly Bryant made such a move in the middle of the 2018 season after being benched in favor of then-freshman Trevor Lawrence. It was kind of interesting that a few days later, it was Bryce who saved Clemson's season when Lawrence got knocked out against Syracuse. And Kelly Bryant was, I, I believe, fishing. Bryce will be a graduate transfer with two years of eligibility remaining. So if you need a quarterback, I don't know, follow him on Twitter. Michigan has added Bob Shoup to its staff in a defensive coaching role. He won't be the D.C. Don Brown's there. Shoup, not Bob Stoops, guys. Bob Shoup was recently the defensive coordinator at Mississippi State, and he was not retained by Mike Leach. Shoup was great at Mississippi State and at Penn State, was not so great in between those two stops at Tennessee. That's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. And you know what? I'm not even going to talk about the arrest warrant that was issued in the city of New Orleans to Odell Beckham for slapping a security guard on the butt in the victorious post-game locker room Monday night. Leave us alone, Odell, and go bother the NFL podcast people. So anyway, if you appreciate what we're doing, please express your support and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcast. For Matei Sis, for Connor Tapp, for our producer, Tony Levitt, I'm Trace Scott. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be back on Monday for the College Football Daily.